This is the audio podcast, July 2014, How We Podcast Special. As there's no show this week, what we've done is gone back to show 118, 119, and 120 of the audio podcast and extracted out the discussions we had about the podcast setups that we're currently using to record the audio podcast. So they're collated here into a single episode, which makes it much easier to take a quick look at this, this information about how the audio podcast is recorded every week. First of all, it's myself going through the setup that I use, which is a kind of permanent fixed installation which is designed for constant use and offers a lot of flexibility for different setups. I was hoping one of you guys was going to uh, pick up from there, but I can continue if you want. Uh, yes, uh, I think I suggested this a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we're, we're podcasters. We've been doing this for... You know, a few years now, you two more, I came on a bit later, but each of us has our own little set of kit to do this whole thing. We've been, been developing our kit over the, uh, over the months, and I, I suggested that maybe we could do a little, like a rundown of, of how our electronic audio kit works. It's specifically relevant to the audio podcast, really, isn't it? So uh, this week, we're going to start with Mr. Hewitt. Yes, so um, I, I, I have gone first. Um, for those people who maybe only listen to the show or briefly look at the notes, there, there is we are actually going to have like, there is a proper article on, online that you could take a look at with photos. How about that? So you might be, uh, you know, it might be worth just having a quick look at the show notes just in this in this instance and the corresponding ones in the few weeks to come, if you want to. Um, Adam, Sam, if you feel I've got it, I'm going into too much detail or you think there's a relevant question, just interrupt, but otherwise I'll just, I'll kind of, Spew, for want of a better. But, <laughs> yeah. as they say, nice nice there in my head. Thank you very much. That's cool. So um, the the first thing I would say is that um, we we have been doing this for like over three years and in a variety of different guises as well. And the key, the really important thing is I find is the importance of running two different computers. Um, I have one computer which does the audio work entirely. That's the one that's in the Hangout. It runs um the it runs the Moti sound card, it manages QMix, and it does all that all that sort of stuff for me. And I have a second computer which I use to actually have the show notes and all the information regarding the show and the kind of any sort of promotion materials that need to go in, all that sort of stuff is all in a in a second place. And that that means that the the machine that has the Hangout, I, once the Hangout or the Skype session's running, I don't actually touch it. It does nothing but sit there and run, and then I stop the broadcast and that's it done. So it it's very reliable. It, that doesn't tend to break it. Whereas quite often, if you go visit a web page or something like that, you get a, a video starts playing or some flash crashes, and you don't want to take down the entire browser session in the middle of the show. So hence, I use the two different two different computers to do that. And um, I have two nice big screens, <laughs> which means I can sit back and be able to see both screens at the same time, which is quite nice. And I put the camera in the middle, which should give you the impression that I'm talking to you on the video stream quite often. But in reality, most of the time, I'm either looking at Adam and Sam or I'm looking at show notes. But kind of by moving my eyes, it kind of looks modularly convincing. I says, maybe? I don't know if you guys think it does or not. Well, actually, and, and Sam and I picked up today on... You You seem to be pointing a slightly different way. You're, you're, you're usually, like... You used to be in the corner, and now you're, like, more perpendicular to everything. 
That is just perception. I'm not sure what is what is leading you. I guess it's maybe this edge in this corner here. Well, I think your camera's in a different place because your camera used to be a bit higher and used to kind of look down on you, and now it's kind of pointing up. Like it, it's that. it's maybe a little bit, but it isn't particularly so. It's I don't know. Anyway, don't let's know. let let's get into the into the audio bits that you've got. In, well. Well, that, that's missing. Um, if you look at the picture, you'll see one little one little subtlety which a lot of people maybe don't notice. But I have string. You've probably noticed in the background of the video, I have uh, strings of crisp of like kind of um, rope lights and Christmas LED lights around the place, and they're actually deliberate. Um, the Christmas LED lights go across the back of my my desk and then drop down to the floor and are on the floor at the bottom of my desk. And the reason they're there is that they light up the back of the desk behind all the cabling out the back of all the computers and then on the floor they light up all the cabling that's on the floor as well which means that when I have a problem I don't need to get a light I don't need to get a torch and hold it and point it in the right direction those lights just cast a kind of one watt glow across the entire across the entire area and I do exactly the same thing out the back of the rack which I'm not going to pull out because I haven't got quite a long enough headphone cable but there's actually L the LED lights actually pass around the back of the rack as well and light the whole thing up so you can just pull it forward and everything is lit up for you to kind of take a look at when you're wanting to do that so I would never have done that with kind of filament bulbs before but now you can get like 400 LED lights for a tenner it's it's what I would recommend it if you have a studio in place there's a lot to be said for having a line of Christmas lights. I like how you have this failsafe so that you can look behind your installation with ease, even though you also recommend having the patch bay so that you shouldn't really need to have to. Yes, that, that's very true. So, so the next photo down, I have um, I use an 828 Mark II. Um, why a Mark II? Well, because I've had it forever and it's never broken and it still works fine. Um, I'm a big believer in, well, fancy new hardware is really nice. I'm a big believer in what worked for the last two years will probably work tomorrow, so hence. I've done that, and the, the 828 is absolutely brilliant for that sort of work. You're, I'm talking to you through one of its preamps right now, and listening to you via its headphone, headphone out, which is fine. And um, I have that patch, I have a patch bay with that as well, which is probably the reason why the 828 is perfectly fine. Um, I have had to replace some of the patch bay channels over the, over the years, um, because the connections have broken, but obviously that's just the five pound mail order and in comes a new patch bay and you just unscrew the old one and screw the you know unscrew the old channel out and put the new channel in so it's a very quick and easy fix and for the I, I thought it's nice to have things that only people on the audio would hear rather than people reading the notes but my patch bay not only does it handle all the 828 in and out the compressor in and out which I use for side chaining um, audio signals in on this audio feed into the hangout when we do things that require that as well but also inside there it has a Raspberry Pi which runs an AirPlay which runs AirPlay and it has an output to a set of radio headphones as well so um, sometimes if I want to what I can actually do is listen to the show audio via AirPlay and then listen to it via a pair of headphones as well so if I am um, it's not something that I've, I, I do with the audio podcast but in other situations sometimes I'm producing a very very long audio show I can wander around the house while still listening to the live audio to check everything's running okay while I'm doing other things around the house sort of stuff so that's a couple of other little tricks that are inside that inside that rack which aren't apparent from the front of it which are just kind of tucked away discreetly in, in there as well and the other great feature of a um, of having a rack means that it's very easy to kind of what, what I like to call um, being able to set up physical de default connections so if the if something does happen to the Motu, then I'm 
I'm actually surprisingly resilient in terms of being able to still tell what's going on. So if the motor was to turn off while I'd no longer be able to speak to you, um, if everything worked correctly, it should switch to a different a different pair of headphones will will immediately start getting the audio signal because of the way the patch bay is wired wired to do that. So I'm listening to you. So I guess that's one point I didn't make is I'm taking you're hearing the audio from the 828 through the FireWire connection into the Mac, but what I'm listening to is actually the, the audio out of the default output on the Mac, which then passes through the 828 and then comes into comes into my ears via the 828. So in my ears, I hear a mix of my audio signal, the audio signal I'm generating quietly panned hard right, and the audio coming from the Hangout, so I can hear a reference of what's going on to make sure I haven't got any kind of cable faults, and I can hear you guys clearly but I'm using the default output because I found that the Hangout has a tendency to go a bit crazy sometimes with the with a FireWire interface, um, which is a bit kind of weird. What's really weird is that Skype is entirely opposite. With Skype, it works better using the built-in input and the FireWire output, which I don't really mm. understand why that is the case. But Mad. Madness. Be, and then, be, and you've, you've got a very special microphone um, <laughs> setup, haven't you? Well, yeah, yeah. I guess this is. Um, I I took a little photo of this as well. Um, I really wanted an angle poise micro microphone stand that I could move around and have it appear so it's it's nice and clear in the front, but my mic's just here on the corner. So I'll start. And this is something I picked up from somewhere, and I don't remember where it is, and I couldn't find the link to it at all anywhere. And I thought we talked about it on the audio podcast before, but I couldn't find it there either. So I'm I think we there. did, but maybe it was a note. I seem to remember it coming up in conversation. But so, but what I'm using is a IKEA uh, tertial work lamp, and I put the link to the IKEA shop for it as well. And <clears throat> what's really cool, it's an angle poised lamp, and it, it comes as a proper lamp, but the, the lamp fitting is attached to the stand by two screws. And you can undo the two screws and completely separate the two parts, so you have a working lamp and the, the stand, and then the two screws happen to be the exact same distance apart as the default mic adapter that you get with an SM58. So, not the, I'm trying to think, so you have the bit that you screw onto the mic stand directly, and that has sticking out, of, that's like, has a bit that sticks out of it, and then you attach the, the bit that actually holds the microphone to it. And that one has two holes in it, uh, one of which is the adapter, one of which attaches it to the mic stand, and the other one is like a, um, not really sure what the purpose of the second hole actually is at all. In, in the in the piece of plastic, but those two screws are the exact same distance apart as the two screw holes on the IKEA that attach the lamp to the IKEA fitting. So what you could do is get two long bolts and four screw four two long screws and four bolts it will be, and you can um, I've taken a photo of it which hopefully is clear enough on the or on, on the blog post. But if it isn't, then I can take a couple more. You can actually attach you it mean... together as well. You mean for two long bolts and four nuts? Yes, sorry. Yes, yeah. two long bolts and four nuts. That's correct, yeah. So, Stan, you can attach attach the two bits together, and that, that mic stand has worked perfectly well for probably three, probably about three years now, I guess. We around about there. It won't take... It takes an SM58 quite happily. Um, if you go for something really big and bulky, it might start to struggle, but having said that, I've had a... Um, I've forgotten the name. The RE20s, were they? The microphone? Yeah, yeah, the big the big microphones yeah. that we used to enjoy using. RE20s. I have had an RE20 on it, and it was perfectly fine. So. Now, interestingly, you're just mentioning a uh, an IKEA thing there. 
um, and it just happening to work with your audio equipment. Now, I can tell you there's another IKEA thing, which I'm going to put a link in the note, in, the co in a comment in your notes on the notes, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's a bedside table. It's called a Rast. It's nine pounds, and it's unfinished, so that means you have to uh, polish it or, uh, you know, paint it or whatever. But I found, this is so weird, I found that it is exactly the right width for 19-inch rack mount equipment, and it's exactly the right height, and it, it's got a little underpit, it's got the bottom level, and then it's got the main section. It's exactly the right height that if you bought two strips of, of 8U um, rack strip and cut two off each, the two fits on the bottom and the six fits in the middle. So it's amazing. I mean, it's the thing. You can actually make a little rack unit this for like 20 quid. That's amazing. Awesome. So I'm going to put a, I'm going to put that link on the, uh, on the notes right now. Awesome. I was actually thinking about how cool it would be to get rid of to get my rack out of its big flight case, and to um, to put it in something else. So that might actually be the right idea, Adam. Maybe, so, although um, it's these aren't very deep. So you know, if you've got some really deep stuff like a sampler, it'll stick out the uh, the yeah. back. But if you've got shallow stuff, works a treat. That's cool. So to finish off, just a couple a couple of little last bits. Um, I don't use a built-in eyesight because I like to use the big screen, but I didn't want four screens, I only wanted three screens, so the Mac light sits on the floor. Um, so to for that reason, well not quite just that reason alone, um, I use a Creative Labs uh, live um, CamChat HD, it's called, as the webcam, which is the one that you're seeing beyond. It's a 720p webcam. But the really neat feature of it is it's completely class compliant, so it works on Windows, Mac, and Linux, with no driver required. So that means it's very easy to run a either I have a backup computer I could use to stream audio, which isn't a Mac. It's a, it's a Linux box, and that can immediately start using the webcam. So, um, and also by not being attached to the screen, you can get a kind of different position depending on what sort of position you actually want for it. So, I found that to be really, really useful. And finally, for the times when we're, I'm not at home or I'm elsewhere in a mo mobile setting, then I actually have a Mark III Moto Ultralight, which I tend to, which I would use rather than taking the rack with me. A lot of people have said, why do you use... A lot of people have queried in the past why I even use the Mark 2828 and why I even use the big physical rack. Um, I guess the main reason is actually because of the patch bay. As as ridiculous as it sounds, but... Um, I, I, don't, I presume most people know that patch bays can be normalized or half normalized and you can set them up as a mix of normalizations. And as a consequence, you can do lots of... There's lots of really neat tricks you can have with patch bays, like have them wired for your default, but then very quickly be able to do alternative setups just by plugging two jack, a jack cable in the very front of it or something like that. And it's it's so much easier to just patch a patch bay at the front than it is to reach around the back of something and try and plug it in. And the minute you've got two or three things and you're trying to plug them into each other, it becomes such a mess of cables and so hard. So th that's that's really the reason why I have these two setups, but I prefer to use the, 828 in the Mark II 828 in general day-to-day -day work rather than the Mark III Ultralight, which I use for mobile stuff, but generally doesn't see as much use as the 828 Mark II does. There you go. Cool. Excellent. So I think we can, so, uh, yeah. we can call it. Next, from show 119 of the audio podcast, we have uh, Samuel Freeman's setup, which is designed to go into a, a 
designed for a small room where you have a bit of space that you can put aside for regular podcasting. We've made it to the end of the news, which means that it's time for the other section and for a a remarkable event in the annuals of the audio podcasts. Something we said we would do this week, last week, is actually going to happen. Yes. Okay. Um, well, this is continuing the mini series of um, audio podcast setup and how we podcast. So for this, um, I'm going to switch cameras, this little handheld USB delete, so I can show you what is going on. So we're going into an all-new place in the audio podcast. Okay. Well, I mean, we can talk about the room I'm in, which is a um, a windowless cupboard, which measures um, 80 centimetres by 120 centimetres. So (laughs) nice, cosy. And is um, acoustically treated with thick blankets on the wall, which um, is a very cheap but actually effective way of sorting things out. Okay, let's stop making people sick on the video camera and show my audio interface. Or perhaps we should start with the microphone. Let's start with the microphone. Um, This is a condenser microphone, pencil type, cardioid pickup. I have no idea who it's made for. (laughs) It's got absolutely no markings to suggest the manufacturer at all. Um, a friend once suggested that maybe whoever made this was actually ripping off someone's design and didn't want to get in trouble with that. I don't know. But it's it's a very versatile microphone, um, which I currently have connected into Let the camera study. This Behringer Zenix Q502 USB interface. Um, I got this quite recently, actually. I wanted something that would work standalone without the USB. So if you unplug the USB, it still works as an analog mixer, but it has two in, two out through the USB. So that's that's going through there. Um, so that gives phantom power for the microphone. And it's also got a um, kind of single knob compressor thing, a bit much like the small Yamaha desks do. Um, but yep, yeah, so I'm running that through there, a little bit of compression. And if I, were, if I did want to put other audio in, I could through here, but for the output, I am using just the laptop's built-in um, headphone output. So if there was to be a problem with the USB audio, I could switch to, I wouldn't lose monitoring in the ears. That's pretty much it for the audio podcast setup currently. I mean, I've had lots of different setups in the past. Um, using different audio interfaces, different preamps, different microphones, but this is my portable, pretty much, setup that I could set up anywhere, as long as there's a microphone stand wherever I go. So, yeah. Easy. Cool. Tight. Simpler than Scott's setup. All Scott's right. Is like the... No, no, no. Scott, yours is like the old... And finally, here is Adam Yanch's very portable, very simple setup that anybody could have at home. podcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash 120 and head scroll down to the other section you'll see a handy little picture that I've taken of my setup I think mine is probably the simplest of the podcast setups now with yours Sam is yours kind of set up per- permanently or semi-permanently um semi-permanently I suppose the, the microphone sits on its stands all the time um and usually the audio interface 
is used is, is in place as well and my laptop just comes and goes although in the past week i have moved everything apart from the microphone stand into another setup so so Usually, the is, yes, turn up and, and set your laptop down and plug it all in and you're basically ready whereas for me um it's a bit more transient so um, if you look at the picture, I basically set up on my dining room table um, and I sit with the window across from me so I get some good light so you can see my visage on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and But the actual setup is actually very simple. I put my laptop on, a, on this IKEA stand um, to raise it up, get a better angle or to, so you can see me better but without looking at my nose, which is, you know, it's it's a small thing, but the, I, I like to think our YouTube people aren't going to be frightened by having to look up my nose. Um, and then under there, I, I I switched kind of, I was using this setup for a while, and I switched, and I have switched back, and I'm using a Novation Neo 2.4 interface, which is a handy little desktop interface uh, with a microphone in and headphone out. And the, the idea is this is a DJ's, setup so you can actually you'd actually connect it's got four outputs so you'd connect the four outputs into a DJ mixer and you know you can do live stuff with the DJ mixer I don't use it like that but it's got handy controls on the top for uh, setting everything and it also has inbuilt in it uh, a um, uh, what do you call it a, a loop for hearing uh, not a feedback loop, monitoring loop. So I can hear me, I can hear what I'm saying in my microphone and it then mixes in with what comes back from YouTube. So that's very simple. Um, at the moment I'm using my Bayer Dynamic DT250 headphones, which I've had for ages, uh, very reliable. Had I have had to replace a wire in, in there, uh, but I've done that. And um, I don't have... Uh, I, I have a small a mic, a lapel mic, this one here, which is an AKG uh, C417, and that's a wired one. It just plugs straight in to my interface. It's very subtle. It was invisible on your video feed until you moved it like that. So, <laughs> so you'll usually see me wearing either a hoodie or a shirt so that I can clip it on um, without it being too obvious. Uh, but, I mean, that's basically my setup. Um, it, it's fairly simple. Probably the only problem with this setup is that the uh, the audio, for some reason, the audio coming back from the YouTube Hangout only comes into my left ear, so who knows? I don't know. Yeah, that is, that's, yeah. That Google Hangouts seem to have some issues with some audio interfaces sometimes, which is one of the reasons that Scott and I use the um, computers built in for monitoring whilst using a USB for input for quality. Well, that's what, before I switch back, so the thing with this Neo is that for a while it didn't have the driver support for the computer I was using, and I thought, oh no, it's going to be obsolete, and then a few months ago I looked up and it was like, oh look, it's got 10.8 and 10.9 drivers on it, so um, they actually have kept uh, releasing drivers for this thing, so I went back to using it, it's a bit handier with the with the monitoring. But I was using a Zoom recorder as an input and then plugging my headphones into the built-in output. And interestingly, you'll note that, you know, a few shows ago I would have been wearing my 
Audio Technica headphones with the big kind of curve above my head. Okay. And the reason I wore those was because I was using the other interface and I didn't have a monitoring loop. So I couldn't hear myself in my headphones. So I had, these are quite, you know, tight fitting. The other ones are open backed and I could actually hear what I was saying better uh, through the acoustic of the room. So, you know, little details. Detail, it's all about the headphones on the audio podcast. It's, it's, uh, for me, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that brings a, con- a conclusion to our little mini-series of, of our podcasting setups. And, uh, I mean, I don't know how others do it. I think, you know, Scott's pretty hardcore about it because, you know, he's he's kind of set up to be able to podcast almost at any second when he's at home. Um, True, but, but not yeah, very my... portable. That's the only thing with Scott's setup. It's... Well, yeah. Industrial Mine's... strength on the redundancy, but <laughs> but housebound. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't like. I saw Scott on Monday, and he wasn't carting around the four U rack with all of his podcasting kit in it. Uh, so, uh, you know, horses for courses. But you know, you'll see from our three setups that there are many different ways of doing this, and there are other ways beyond our three setups as well. Yeah. Cool. So that brings us to the final section of the audio podcast, which is the plunder. We hope you've enjoyed the audio podcast, How We Podcast special. Don't forget, you can find out more about the audio podcast at theaudiopodcast.co.uk, where you can subscribe to us on either YouTube or on iTunes, so you can get the next episode as soon as it's released. (laughs) 